Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Nielsen Show. This week's episode, I'm going to start this off with an email I got from the, uh, let's see, Tuttle Twins. It's like a book about America's history and kind of what people's rights should be or are and uh, better understand them. But its uh, title is, What's a Liberal World Order Anyway? And it goes, This week, White House official named Brian Deese appeared on CNN as a top economic advisor to Joe Biden. Deese found himself, perhaps unexpectedly, in the hot seat over America's astronomical cost of living. I mean, how bad do things have to be for CNN to critically question question a Democrat? What do you say to those families who say, look, we can't afford to pay $4.85 a gallon for months, if not years, the host asked. Deese responded, look, this is about the future of the liberal world order and we must stand firm. He then continued to give the most pathetic defense of the current economic situation I've heard in a hot minute. While I could wax poetic, as I often do, about the decades of corruption and disastrous policy that brought us to where we are today, I want to focus on the whole liberal world order part of Deese's appearance. Most Beltway political types would tell you that this phrase is nothing to be afraid of, that it merely means the tradition of economic and personal liberty shared by much of the world since the end of World War II. Here's the big thing, though. A little historical context doesn't make those words any less creepy to hear from the highest levels of our government. For starters, you and I don't have a responsibility to uphold any global order simply by virtue of being Americans, especially not by paying crazy gas prices and suffering the inflation crisis of a lifetime. Thomas Massey recently said, Inflation is the tax collector for the liberal world order. And boy, do I agree with him. Our rulers are attempting to use global politics to cover up the consequences of decades of enabling a Leviathan government via currency manipulation. And now that inflation is finally catching up. It's our patriotic duty to grin and bear it, whether at the grocery store or the gas station. The assumption that every one of us should be personally invested, literally, in a global push for the common good isn't just silly, it's incredibly arrogant. Here's the hard truth nobody wants to face. It doesn't matter how noble or righteous a world order may seem in its mission. Over history, attempts to homogenize the planet in culture, thinking, and governance have proven naive at best and tragic at worst. These failures aren't isolated to the past. Just ask a Dutch farmer or a Canadian trucker or a French yellow vest or any other American who lost a business during COVID lockdowns. Our founders understood how easily people could be corrupted by power. It's why they put their lives on the line to create a country where the government would be limited by its citizens rather than the other way around. An understanding of individual rights should be fundamental to any education, but unfortunately, it's been overlooked in our schooling system. This is a large part of why I became interested in writing children's books. Without teaching the next generation our history, we're doomed to repeat the worst of it. I don't want to raise kids who fall for the shallow deception of politicians, and I know I'm not alone. The millions of parents who've purchased Tuttle Twins books give me hope that our best days can be ahead. When we use engaging stories featuring real-life facts, we can empower our kids to see the world with clear eyes. If you haven't jumped on board yet, there's no time like the present. Pick up your first Tuttle Twins books today and join a community of moms and dads fighting for the future. Until next time, Connor. So that was the email. And if you're interested, so I guess this is a free plug for the Tuttle Twins to look up Tuttle Twins. Uh, I think it's TuttleTwins.com. And let's see. Yeah, I think that's it. And it should take you to their site. And you can look through. They have children's books up through like teenage or preteens and 
I don't know, they got all kinds of books there, but a lot of it needs to be uh, taught instead of just skipped over in our school systems. So anyways, that's my intro to today's uh, episode of The Nielsen Show. And let's see, let's take a break and we'll get right to it. Hold on. All right, let's get started here with the breakdown of the Tim Cast podcast here on The Nielsen Show. Uh, this first one here is uh, Tim Cast or Tim Pools is his real name, but he's interviewing uh, the governor. Uh, not, I don't know what it's called. She's running for governor this year. Carrie Lake's her name. Uh, really strong woman. Great policies. Um, I don't know. I'd say if you're in Arizona, look her up. You'll see what I'm talking about. Listen to her ads. Look at different things she said. And I think you'll love her. So if you can, make sure to make it a point to get out and vote this year. So here we go with Tim Cast. What are your thoughts on homeschooling? I love it. I mean, I'm out in the campaign trail, and I can spot a homeschool kid from a mile away. They come up, they talk to you, they look in the eye. I'll say, are you homeschooled perchance? And they're like, yeah, I am. been homeschooled. And then the mom will say, I'm homeschooling them for three years. Started with COVID. And um, really bright kids, really is, bright kids. Isn't it crazy that uh, the institutionalized learning facilities funded by our taxpayer dollars are stunting children and inhibiting them? And that you can see it in a homeschooled kid that they're better adjusted, more mature? You know, the, the uh, school, what do they call it, the teachers union, they're having their national um, you know, meeting right now. And can you believe they're trying to push for masks again? Wow. It's just sick. It's absolutely sick. In the public schools? Yeah, that's one of their agenda it's items. It's like, are you serious? Are you really? Do you, do you want nobody going to your school? We just passed uh, the biggest school choice bill into law uh, in this last session in the last couple weeks that the money follows the student. Arizona is the leader in this now. So if you've got uh, Ian has a son or daughter, and you don't like what they're teaching in the school up the road, you say, you know what? We're taking the money, our tax money. We're going to this school, and it's huge. So this is the this is the craziest thing. I'm I'm a huge fan of school choice. <laughs> Because uh, we, we saw the Supreme Court ruling up in Maine, for instance, where they said in certain areas of Maine, they don't have public schools. So the taxpayer is given essentially a voucher to choose where they want to go. Maine was like, okay, but you can't go to religious institutions. Supreme Court said, you can't do that. That's that's meddling. That's, you know, we got, but we got you can send them to an international school. Right. <laughs> so now we're so we see that the left freaks out. We see uh, in Florida. I think Florida just did a school choice thing or, or they're moving towards it. And they I, I'm wondering. How are the Democrats going to try and spin school choice as a bad thing? And what they're saying is Republicans are going to enact school choice. Then once parents start leaving public schools, they're going to say, oh, look, nobody needs public schools and they're going to shut them all down so that kids are dumb. It's, it's the weirdest non-argument. The reality is there's no argument against school choice. It makes no sense. Now, I'm going to intervene here. Um, the most schools, if you know, for the most part, are already overloaded in the classrooms. So realistically, it makes no sense to not spread these students out other than it's just, well, we're not going to get the money at our school if these kids are going to go somewhere else. That's all it is. The teachers union, especially, they want their teachers to be paying those dues. I, I mean, I know I came from a job. Uh, you know, I only worked there a little over five years. 
but it was unionized. And that seems like that's really all it ends up being is the union wants your money in the dues every paycheck. So realistically, if this was, hey, my tax money that all of us pay into one way or another is I want my kid to go to this school over here. I've went and talked to this school. I like the teachers. I like the programs they got. It should not even be an issue. But like I said, there's a lot of money involved uh, in the bigger scheme of things. You know, if you take, uh, I don't know, five students out of every class and they all spread out into these private schools and more than likely get a better education. I'm not saying all public schools are horrible, but it's getting to be more and more of them are. So that's that's my argument against why anybody that's saying, oh, we can't, you know, do this. It just makes no sense. There's yeah, public I agree. Parents get a choice in which public school they go to. If you poll people on this, it, it's overwhelming. Democrat, independent, and Republicans want it. So you go, well, how come it's taken this long to get it? Because the Democrats are getting money from the, the teachers' union. A lot of money is at stake here. Um, th this money does not belong to the public schools. The, the money we pour in for education belongs to the students. It's for the students. And for a long time, they've convinced people it belongs to the public schools. No, that money, it, we are taxed and that money goes set aside to educate our students. It doesn't mean it goes to the public school. There's nothing that says it goes to the public school. If Republicans and conservatives win on the school front, they win, period, it's over. Liberals are not having kids. Conservatives are even having less kids, but they have way more. So the only way in the next 10 to 20 years the conservatives lose is if they don't inspire young people. Mm -hmm. So people really need to think about this too because so many people don't. 10 years ago, we've got Barack Obama's second term, right? And you, you were how old? You were like 11? Yeah. Not even voting. <laughs> you just and, trying to make me feel old over here with her? Oh, well, we're, we're old too. <laughs> but my, my point is you got to understand 10 years goes in the blink of an eye. Mm -hmm. I mean... I, I can't believe Occupy Wall Street was was 11 years ago. It's 11 years. That's that's crazy. And the the political issues that we were dealing with, that we were concerned about, Gen Z has no idea what any of that is. So you don't know anything about Occupy Wall Street, I'd, I'd imagine, right? I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I mean, like, you were a little kid. You probably weren't paying attention. Yeah, I mean, after the fact, I, I've heard about it, sure. Right. But at the so, time, no idea. So this is something that's come up on the show when we had um, – I think it was Vosh, socialist. We've had him on the show. Hunter Avalon, too young. Hunter Avalon? Yeah. Well, it was Vosh as well. Oh, was it really? I think they're both similar of them. ages. They, yeah, they're similar ages and because they're in their 20s. Mm. And I said, I don't understand how people could be could vote for Joe Biden after everything we went through during the Obama era and with, with you know, during Occupy Wall Street, Obama was the bad guy. Obama was the bailout guy. Mm -hmm. I, I know you can blame George Bush for a lot of this stuff too, and you can go back to the 2000, but Obama was, was, was Obama, the drone mm -hmm. guy. And the response we get from him is, oh, I was in high school. I don't know any of that stuff. I never thought of that. You're right. They so, have no idea. So here's what happens. <clears throat> Conservatives have a bunch of kids. Elon Musk, he's cranking out the babies. All, that, that, that's the first thing. Because those kids are going to retain some of the values of their parents. Some. Many of these parents are taking their kids and they're putting them into institutionalized learning facilities that hate you. That want to indoctrinate your kids. If the conservatives went on school choice, it's done. The left, their dogma, their cult will die with them as they age and they lose voting power. And the new generation raised by, typically raised by conservatives, 
will retain conservative values. Give it 20 years, and we're going to see two generations step up into the vote to voting age. And if the conservatives keep having their kids and protecting them from these institutionalized learning facilities, the United States hands down becomes a Christian conservative nation. Now, I'm not saying it's a good thing for those that aren't Christian conservative, but that's what will happen if Christian conservative parents instill their values in their kids. That's interesting. Do you know that uh, since the Roe v. Wade news, uh, the rate of vasectomies has like skyrocketed? And I'm sure every conservative is laughing and high-fiving their friends. Because yeah. <laughs> they're the anti-life side, sadly. If you, I, I said this 10 years ago to people, I, I said it a few years ago. If you are even 1% more likely to get an abortion, let's say you have 100, let's say you have 50 Democrats and 50 conservative Republicans. And the Democrats are 1% more likely to have an abortion over a long enough period of time. The Democrats will cease to exist mm-hmm. and the Republicans will keep having kids because it's just basic math. But it does it's not just abortion, though. They're also I'm hearing a lot of people saying that are liberals saying I don't want to have kids because of the climate change. And I'm just worried about the climate. They have been brainwashed into thinking that it's a bad idea to have children. And it's one of the greatest gifts that I believe God gives you is when he makes you a parent. Well, they're also uh, some of these parents are sterilizing their kids. Oh, with the, the puberty blockers, transgender stuff, puberty blockers, things like that. Okay, does that make sense on what he's talking about there? So, I mean, I'm sure you've had to have seen or at least heard all the madness from these crazy people that are just livid that Roe versus Wade was overturned, or Roe, I guess, whatever part of that you want to look at. But he's saying that if they keep having less and less kids, the conservative or, you know, the Christian side of America is going to keep having kids and instilling their values, hopefully in those kids that eventually just a pure mathematical numbers game. It's just like a teeter totter. They'll keep going up and the other side will keep going down. So anyways, doctors who go along with that, um, really, we need to look at their medical license. It's what the, the well, surgeries especially are, especially on minors. So you look at where we're going, and this this is why I stress again, the school issue is the most important. I don't know if conservatives totally get it, but the way you, uh, that is a great point. I mean, that was, that was deep and that was true. The saying is socialists don't have kids. They have yours. If people are conservative and they have kids and they put them in a college, don't be surprised when your young, beautiful blonde daughter comes home with a shaved head, tattoos, gauges, and is screaming that you're evil. Mm-hmm. This is the craziest thing to me because I've seen these stories where a guy, you know, he posts on Reddit and he's like, my daughter came back from college and she hates me. I don't understand. Yeah, why. and, and it, it takes, they go there in August and by Thanksgiving, they come back and they've changed. Yep. Got to protect them. Yeah, school I think choice. it's great. And we're on the way. We're doing great things in Arizona. It's where the charter move, school movement really began. And we are going to be the school, I call it school freedom, education freedom state. And any way we can make that better so that our kids are getting a quality education, not a brainwashing. And in, in my plan for education is we have um, what we'd like to push is a dual track education. So after 10th grade, you decide, hey, are we going to go the, the four-year college route or do we want to go and get skills training? trade school, vocational, certification. There's no reason we can't get our kids out of school at 18 and have them ready to take on the world. Most of these jobs don't require college. As a matter of fact, college sets you back from achieving the American dream because you're in a heap of debt. And look at, you know, what do we say? 18 years old, James Monroe. These young founding fathers of ours were doing 
big things. Created a country. Yeah, it took wow. on a monarchy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we need to get our kids ready at 18. I talk to industry leaders every week and they say, we, we've got great jobs. They pay 80,000 full benefits. You know what? Nobody to fill them. You know what kids need? Jobs. The jobs are out there, but they're not ready for them. And but I, we should get them ready in high school. I mean, children need jobs. Oh. And he, and, but I'll clarify, too, because I know that the left loses their minds because some Republicans said that and they were like, child labor in the mines. Oh, man, we <laughs> yeah. worked so hard as kids. I mean, up at 6 a.m. on the weekend chores. It was crazy. Exactly. So I worked at my family's business. My mom opened a cafe, didn't survive all that long, but a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think I worked something like 10 hours a week working with the family business. That is what kids need. You don't want kids doing backbreaking labor. You don't want them working in factories and anything crazy like that. I was making sandwiches and ringing, ringing up people's coffee. But you want some I responsibility. I think they can do some backbreaking work. There's not a damn thing wrong with that. <laughs> oh no, no, oh, of course, of course. Like I mean, dads, they, dads teaching their kid to chop lumber. Yeah. Kids mowing the lawn. Kids carrying stuff and, and moving bricks. That's all fine. I'm just like industrial machinery. There's a reason why we yeah. say, hey, we don't want the kids. Well, we don't want our kids going off to work in a factory at age right. nine and ten. No, but you know, we, we were little. Uh, my dad would wake us up. We heated our home partially in the winter with wood, and so we had to, you know, split wood and cut down trees and do all that. And was it was it up at uh, at the time. I I dreaded it. I'm sure I complained <laughs> the entire day. We'd get up at six a.m. We're there. You know what we were paid? A soda. We'd go to the gas station after we were done, and we would, you know, put you know whatever it was at the time, fifty cents or whatever, into the you know pop machine and. That was our pay for working from like six till three or four in the afternoon, cutting wood, cutting lumber, and then splitting wood and loading wood into the truck and then unloading the wood. But I'm so glad I have um, that understanding of how to kids, even do that. Kids need work. They need to, you know, paper routes they used to do. We don't have that anymore. Now, that is something I think uh, we've kind of, especially now with the technology age, I am as, just as guilty as probably anybody on this. Um, you know, you, we grew up, my age group, you know, mid-40s, <laughs> uh, in a different era. You know, just 40 years ago, 45 years ago, whatever you want to call it. Totally different era. And, I, and we kind of made do with what we had and just, you know, we didn't have stuff to distract us from going outside and, you know, AC was pretty much non-existent or if you did have it, you know, it was a swamp cooler and it was just like cold mug, muggy. <laughs> but the thing is, is the, the generations that from our age group, we are able as parents to give our kids more. And I think we just have a desire in general to, inadvertently I think give them more because we can and uh, we kind of create little monsters I mean I'm trying to kind of somewhat correct that with my kids because they have had it way too easy um, I loved it when we when we can go out camping uh, I'll get the chainsaw out you know when it's not dry enough that we we can have a fire and I'll cut the wood up, but I make them start going up and carrying the wood back to camp so we can have a fire. You know, I'll do the stuff until my boy gets a little bit bigger as far as chopping it with the axe and stuff. And But I still enjoy that stuff because I kind of grew up with that mentality, I guess. You know, I mean, the, all this new technology, I mean, in the what 90s is kind of when, you know, the phones 
thing kind of started getting the smartphones, the Blackberries or whatever, you know, where you could actually get like internet on them. Um, so, I mean, it's like, it, it's just the difference in the generations of, I mean, a short time span as well, but that's, you know, like I say, we, we got to really think about, you know, what is just hard work for them, you know, and it doesn't, you know, starting out short, doing chores around the house, you know, just small things. It doesn't have to like, you know, child labor, sweatshop type stuff. But just doing stuff other than just sticking in front of devices or something like that, you know, physical activity, even just in general, is very good for their their mental health as well. I mean, you see it with the the rates of child, you know, teenage, especially suicide rates, that these devices, the social media aspect of it, it's not a healthy thing for these kids to be on. But, you know, like I say, I'm, I'm trying to course correct a lot of the stuff that my kids are, you know, doing. And I got to snap at them a little bit to get them to do it because they we I've given them more than I had because I can. And but now I'm seeing kind of the, the downfall of it. And I'm trying to course correct that a little bit because I want them to be productive members of society instead of just thinking everything is owed to them. And they have a little bit of that, you know, mentality of entitlement. So I'm hoping to get that corrected. Let's finish this one up. Things like that. The we greatest thing about a paper route it was the collection part. Do you remember? I mean, I don't know if you're old enough to remember that the, the paper boy would, you know, ride his bike, throw the paper. And then at the end of the week, when we were little, he'd have to come knocking at the door and collect, you know, whatever the, the payment was. For yep, the paper I remember that week. doing that with my, oh, I didn't have it. My buddy like, did. You know, debt collection at <laughs> age 10. <laughs> when, when I was, I was a kid, we would go door to door mowing lawns and shoveling snow. That was like a normal thing where I grew up. So whenever it would snow, we'd be, we'd get excited and be like, let's go make some money and make some dough. Yeah. And then we'd knock and like, you know, some middle-aged dude would come out and we'd be like, we want to, can we shovel your walkway for money? And it's like, yeah, I give 10 bucks. And we're like, yes. Got it. That's awesome. I wonder, do kids still do that? Did you do that? Do you know anybody who does that? My did? brothers definitely did. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Things like that are good. Kids need that stuff. I wish we would have done more of that with our kids. If they're watching, they're probably like, mom, please don't talk about us. Don't. <laughs> but we didn't push that. We didn't have to do that with our kids. And I, I regret that we weren't pushing more of, of, you know, work around the house and things like that. Both of my kids do work. So that's great. Um, but they're just so f afraid to let their kids out of the bubble. I think that's it. The stranger danger is huge now. Oh yeah. I never really taught my kids that because I didn't want them to look around and be afraid of people. I mean, there are obviously bad people in this world. In the but public schools. I wanted them <laughs> to know if they ever got lost and where, you know, you're at a, a ballpark or whatever, and they got lost. I wanted them to know that, you know, at 99.9% .9 of the people, if you just go up and ask them for help, are going to be helpful. So I always train them, go find another mommy yes, and tell her you're lost. But don't panic. Just find another mommy and she'll help find, you know, because I always knew an another mom would help if they see a, a child. Right, thanks for checking out this segment from the Timcast IRL podcast. All right. There's section number one. Kind of there on the end of that. Um, I think that is the, the, the thing because we see all the bad things going on with people and what they're doing with children and all over the place around the world. It ain't just, you know, your state or somebody else's state. This is around the world sickos doing stuff with children and i think i think to a point though we need to make them aware of certain things but not make them scared of everybody i think they got a point on that um 
obviously certain areas, certain neighborhoods are a little more dangerous than others, but they shouldn't have to live in fear. So this is the end of the first segment of our breakdown of the TimCast podcast. So I'm going to take a quick little break here and we'll be back with the next one. All right, next here on the list is this one. Take a look at this story from TimCast.com. More than one in four Americans say it may soon be necessary to take up arms against the U.S. government. And actually, a plurality of, of strong Republicans said it. Yeah, it's kind of freaky. The poll was released on June 30th by the University of Chicago's Chicago's Institute of Politics. According to their findings, 20% of voters, including 37% who have guns in their homes, agree it may be necessary at some point soon for citizens to take up arms against the government. The funny thing is, I, I bet that stat stays true for like strong Republicans forever, like no matter what, because oh, yeah. they say it all the time. So I don't know if this is actually like an increase in the number. For all I know, it's gone down, right? It felt that way watching the riots that everyone was trying to take down the government. I mean, like the mayor was getting baptized in fire out there out west. I forget where that was. Like they were Which all one? Uh, in Portland or something. And he was standing outside the fire, like doing. The oh fire. yeah, that was like, Portland. Yeah, right. Like yeah, it seemed and like they like, wanted to desperately try to get back in the building. Like let me in. Right, <laughs> right. They were throwing yeah, they stuff got him. They got him a week, a week after. I just thought it was funny to pull this story up as like it's MAGA month. You see, ladies and gentlemen, this is what MAGA month is all about. Right. We got people who are losing confidence in the government. They are scared. We need to make America great again, and we need a month to do it. So this is that month, every month from well, now so on. So does does the story, and I, and I, I know I sent this uh, to you guys when I was on my way in, but does it break down in the poll, right, left, right, party distinction, any it's of that kind of strong stuff? strong GOP, GOP, independent, Democrat, and strong Democrat. Okay, now so where do so where are the fault lines? Do you see do you see both, do you see both sides right no. on the extremes? What would you see? No, but like strong Democrats, seventy one percent I think say you don't need to. Okay, but they control the institution, so right. they're like don't it don't, don't it's do their it. government. Independent voters, one third of independent Very voters say, say yes. Serious, one third. One third of independent voters, and that's more than which is more than the than the total. It's more than Republicans. Huh. Republicans are like 28 or 30 or something, and then strong GOP is the plurality, 45%. So among strong GOP, 45%, I believe it's 45, say you may have to, and like 42 say you don't have to. That's the only bracket where the you may have to is larger. But conservatives believe it less than independent voters. Well, Thomas That's Jefferson crazy. was pretty clear. You may have to take up arms against the corrupt government. Like he said that blatantly, just so you know, everyone be as part of being American, you may have to take up arms at some point if the government becomes tyrannical. He was very clear about that. Well, and this is Jefferson, by the way, and this is the same Jefferson, by the way, who goes over and sees the beginnings of the French Revolution and is like, yeah, this is great. Let's continue to do this without you know kind of realizing which forces exactly were being unleashed and this is why you have these huge differences between you know sure both were armed uprisings against a a central government right a monarchy but the the american revolution's character was far different from the the french revolution character yeah they they was a, a lot of them to begin with it wasn't just like robespierre and danton it was they were like, starving too the Americans? No, the French. The French were starving. The The yeah. monarch was there on their soil with them. So that was another problem they had to face. But it was the Americans were very organized. They also had a lot of outside help. 
being the French, which then caused the French Revolution, that caused the French to go bankrupt, which well, was the part of why they were starving. It was when the women came out and right. they were, you know, hungry. Yeah. I think that the French Revolution was too culty. It was too much about Robespierre. It became about his personality and how great he was and how he was going to lead them. Well, it was like savior, salvation. It, 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 was, it was like a twofold revolution, right? You actually had the period where you had the left and the right in the uh, what the parliament chamber or whatever and this is where we get the the terms right. yeah you actually have the radical so there's a revolution and the radicals and then the moderates are like yelling at each other and then the moderates get crushed and then robespierre's like off with their heads and then they off with his head and, you know the whole thing was just kind of uh, crazy first they blew his jaw off that's the story they they he was such as he was in order and he was known for just talk 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 and then eventually they were like i've had it they blew his jaw off they laid him on a table for like three days to die pretty sure that's how the story goes and they cut his head off uh, after that, they might have they might have guillotined him, yeah, or they might have just, just let him bleed sure. out. Let me find out. Yeah, um, Robespierre turned on his buddy, the number two guy, Danton, who then said it would have been better to have been a poor farmer than a meddle in the politics of man. And that's what people, uh, you know, it's funny because we talk about how people don't want to stand up, and it's like maybe they learned a lesson from the French Revolution: duck and hide. The fires will rage and burn down your home and your life, but you may yet survive. Yeah, you kind of want to you want to build something that allows for the system to change, not so much be the leader and the speaker and the, feel good about yourself because everyone loves you. You know, it's not. Y what it's yes, about. I mean we we. So here's the problem: the United States has a constitution that can be amended. Congress is dysfunctional. The left has been trying to use the Supreme Court as their way of passing laws because they can't actually get laws passed. Not just trying, doing. They're doing right for a long time. They they blame. Minor, minority rule saying it's not fair that these but they don't understand california used to be very sparsely populated so change happens the problem is right now instead of being like okay we all agree to work by these rules they're just saying like screw it burn it down it's not fair they, yeah, like, you'll, like, you'll see more typically like it's I, I get what you're saying right and you see this in um actually the supreme court ruling that just came out on the remain of mexico policy right where Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh, right, uh, caved on that. But it was sort of this this idea that, well, that was a Trump-era policy, and even though we all disagree with it, um, we want to keep it in place for the integrity of the system because that's that that was the you know the election. Um, Biden's in now, and you know he does he have the ability as the current president to rescind an executive order and rule that he does right so you'll see what I'm, what I'm trying to say and i'm not necessarily trying to get into that issue whether or not i agree with that i'm just saying that was the thinking and so you'll see that more with conservatives saying we want to keep the system so that everybody gets a fair shake even if it doesn't benefit our side whereas the left will say no nah, man just burn it down yeah quite literally you know peaceful peaceful fires it's going to get mostly peaceful out mostly there peaceful it's going to get yeah, mostly yeah. peaceful out there yeah man <laughs> You look at what's going on with the Roe v. Wade stuff. You look at uh, Bill Maher came out and he, uh, no, no, I'm sorry, not Bill Maher, John Stewart. And he said that uh, the, this, is the, this is the Fox News of Supreme Courts. And then I'm just, I'm watching that. And I'm like, <laughs> why? Because they're like, these are the rules the country was, was set upon. The, the attitude of these people like John Stewart is if enough people want it, it doesn't matter what the law is. And I'm like, that's stupid. Because people often want really dumb, dangerous things. So we have a process by which we come to cooperate and agree upon things. And if you can't do it, well, too bad. The problem is Congress is dysfunctional. And so people aren't getting what they want, so they're just, they prefer to burn it down. Politicians, knowing that you can get votes from really dumb people, are pandering to them, and it's working.
which by the way it's 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 the amazing thing on the roe v wade um ruling which for 50 years stood as see that literally was the opposite of right quote-unquote democracy right because they went to the courts and said we don't like that these republicans are banning this thing that we want so we want you to make it a federal not just law right that would you pass through congress but a federal rule essentially ruling that there's a right to this that doesn't actually you know appear anywhere in the constitution but we're going to protect it as if it does so that the, these states can't decide on their own how they want to run their states so it's it's this really weird kind of situation where they banned banning it right they right. banned banning abortion that's what roe v wade did and so overturning well, it doesn't allow abortion bans it allows each state it, it didn't even ban it. it it said you can't ban it in the first trimester in the second trimester, we'll have a conversation. That's correct. In the third, it can be banned. And you ask these people, they don't even know what Roe did or what Casey did. Casey changed from a viability standard from the from, from trimester to viability. Right. But they don't even know why they're protesting. I was watching this one video where this woman is being interviewed. She's like an Antifa person. Mm-hmm. And she's like real Roe v. Wade or whatever. And she's like, I should be able to go down and the government should pay for my abortion. And then the person's asking is like, you're in California. That's how it is. You can literally do that. And she's like, everyone should and they're like yes (laughs) okay so that's part of the problem right there is the pro-life people i I mean we're just gonna say that people have argued oh it's pro you tell your pro-feed it's not pro-life because you still want the death penalty and all that stuff that's that's totally different thing so we're just for conversation's sake i'm going to say pro-life so that's been a lot of the problem there is pro-lifers uh kind of my feelings as well being well if you want an abortion and you want that choice pro-choice to do it whenever then you should be able to pay for that choice that you made on your own not everybody else hey we have to pull in and pay for your abortion because you were irresponsible now there's always been other you know ways around this stuff but I think that's been part of the the biggest thing. I mean, plus, you know, if I've said my piece about this before as well, as far as I think a child or a human in general comes at starts from conception. Uh, I've already said my piece on that stuff, but that is true as well that, you know, whenever they don't get something their way, they want to just burn the system down. And I mean, it's happened on the right as well you know in small fragments i would say more than the what these leftist groups are it's like every time something is do you see more uh i guess you know when like i said congress is dysfunctional so every time they don't get something done or something they don't like goes through the supreme court is it usually the right or the left that's out protesting against it it's typically the left and I, I don't know maybe they just got more time or somebody's actually paying them to go protest or you know i mean i don't know what that seems to be that's the biggest uh thing i've seen is that whenever something that the left doesn't like they've got all the time in the world to go out and protest and burn down cities but i don't you know and i'm not saying it's just all rep- you know the left is lazy or whatever i'm not trying to get into that debate I'm just saying it's kind of strange that that seems to be the way it's happening 
And, you know, you see different reports that, oh, you know, Soros is paying this, paying these people to do this or that. And I'm not saying that's not even true because there are secondary organizations that he donates money to uh, that pay other organizations. You know, it's kind of like a uh, laundering system through all these other nonprofit groups. So he pays money to this one, they give money to this one, and then they give money to another one, and then they distribute it wherever. So, anyways, I don't even know if I even made any sense on that one. <laughs> Let's keep going. But everyone in California can do that. You don't live in right. Texas. Yeah. What, hey, what, what, what are you protesting in California for? Most of the protests were in states... Mm -hmm where abortion will probably continue to be. Legal. Right. Overturning Roe is the most pro-choice decision because mm. it just gave it to the states to do whatever you want. Right. Yeah, most of the fires happening. Increased choice. Yeah. Right, actually increased choice. In states, right. No, they just want Republicans to abort their babies. I got mixed feelings about it because people say, like, I don't want the government involved in, in medical procedures. And then, so the, the Supreme Court said, okay, no governments can be involved in this medical procedure. It's completely up. So then they're like, no. No federal government. Yeah, no federal government. For can. now. And now... Now there's 50 governments that can decide. So like before there was one government deciding, the union, now there's 50. So is that better? That, 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 I don't get the, it. The states all had laws on, on the books. They, so Roe basically said, the, the, the question with Roe and Casey is, does the baby have its own privacy rights? And the, the general idea was at viability, it does. Pre-viability, it doesn't because it's dependent. And so states were allowed to pass laws restricting or regulating abortion, and they all did. So you had 51 governments. The federal government just said it is not up to the con so the Supreme Court said, we do not have authority on this. Congress will have to pass a law. We out. And now one less government was making an imposition, and the 50 states that were in, in some way regulating just changed the way they were regulating, so they're all still involved. Plus, it's like it, it even goes down to the county and state level, uh, city level, too. Like, it's not just one government. It's thousands of governments regulating all this stuff. I've definitely got abortion fatigue at this point. The conversation has gone on, like, maybe because we're on a talk show and it comes up almost every day. Mm. But, but like, it's, it's, it's like, it's because, in my opinion, the Democrats are using it for a very serious wedge issue. They're protesting. I don't understand what they're protesting. And, and, and to your point, Ian, the fatigue, what are they, want, what are they asking for? California doesn't need anything from Texas. New York doesn't need anything from Oklahoma. The people who live in those places, for the most part, voted for these policies and these politicians. Is it that the majority of New York is, is looking out for the 8% of Oklahoma that is concerned about it this? It looks what? like two separate realities are at war. and they're Because like, it comes down to just one reality thinks it's a life and the other doesn't. And like it, they're warring over the definition of life. Or they think it is a life and they're willing to kill it. Or is, yeah, or just I don't know, man. Human sacrifice. But. I think I think you're sort of right, but I don't think the left has any real cohesive standard by what they're talking about. Yeah. Because I we, look, some woman today she posted, "How is it that abortion got banned?" So I saw this meme on Facebook. How is it these abortion abort, uh, abortion got banned before an assault rifle? And so I just responded with, "Assault rifles are banned under the Hughes Amendment, 1984, I believe, 1984, and um, you can get them. They're grandfathered in. You're referring to standard semi-automatic rifles." And she's responded with, I'm referring to anything that can kill a kid and leave them like a bloody mess. And I'm like, okay, well, that's all guns. Well, so, anything, anything that ever. can kill a kid. Right, it could be a brick. Right, yeah. so if you've got kids, believe me, like, they, that, that, you, you are, yeah. as a parent, you are constantly in a state of just 
when you're around your kid, you're not, all right, this can do this, this can do that. They could fall. They could do this thing. They could, they could turn anything door. into They can literally turn anything in their home into that. I yes. think my, 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 I'm just... The Act is 86. Is that right? Is it, is it 86? Firearm Owners Protection Act. Oh, okay, right. right. So I was wrong. 86. 86. Um, but my point is just like, if if you post something incorrect and I say, I understand what you're, what you're saying, let me give you the proper frame. And you say, I don't care. I'm like, okay, I get it. You don't care. Like you're literally arguing nothing. Fine. Then what's the point of having a conversation with someone who's arguing nothing? I don't do it. I won't do it anymore. But this is the this is the this is the the rule. It is the exception on the right. Is the rule on the left? Because, what is, and it's the exception on the right oh, and the rule on the left. What is the exception in, or the, the rule? That on the right you will encounter periodically individuals who don't actually argue for something. They're tribalist. But it's the exception. The old, the the actual ultra MAGA like fringe Trump diehards who believe crazy things like come March third Donald Trump will be it's like okay there's not very many of them they're not prominent in media there's there there are some politicians that that have pushed closer to the fringe of that but the mainstream conversation defined as the right for the most part is like extremely argumentative extremely nuanced like look at the show we did on the roe v way over roe v wade overturn day with with seamus and austin peterson and will chamberlain we all disagreed i, I was listening to that show live and that was fantastic that was a fantastic episode but this is the quote-unquote right and it's like it's funny when people on twitter are like tim's right right wing and i'm just like i i le- i'm center left on like a lot of public policy issues i'm just libertarian if that's the case then what we call the left with Nancy Pelosi Democrats, they're not arguing for anything. They're not arguing anything. It is the rule. On the left, they will not give you an argument. It's the exception. Some of them will. On the right, it is the rule. You will get the argument. It's the exception. Sometimes it's tribalism. It's kind of like emotions versus logic, I think. A lot of people that yes. would consider themselves leftists are driven by their emotional standards. But I think I think there's another angle to it as well that, that gets into the word rule itself, but it like in, in the other sense of the word rule as power, right? And so I think that for 50 years, Roe v. Wade stood as a sacred cow for the left for a very long time. It was one of the most powerful things they, they think of it, right? They were able to impose by sheer force of will, right? This is the, this was the culmination of the radical sixties, the sexual revolution, obviously that they were allowed to put past this, not just in their own States, they willed an actual amendment to the constitution into being through the courts without actually having to go through the constitutional process itself and it stood the test of time for 50 years and so i think that they realize inherently um and even you know even the folks like pelosi and hillary who are around at that time they realize that that level of power that they've had is starting to slip away adrian curry chatted tim is super left with sprinkles of righty that proves it that, that does That's prove it, it. yeah but are they rainbow it. sprinkles maga sprinkles yeah. oh my oh no this, this is the funny this, thing this too, one, like, the maga sprinkles he, people were commenting like tim pool is is far right this proves it maga month and all that it's just like <laughs> it's it's very clearly meant to be just a silly fun thing to do that's not you can't have fun you can't have fun. How dare you? Fun I just, and I, you know, so, we say that now on the show, but afterwards the ritual will commence. Right? Yeah, the ropes come out. The yeah, it's called the Fourth of July. Yeah, right. Really it's stuff. just it's uh, yeah. We're gonna grill stuff. There's gonna be fireworks. 
No, I, th- I think civic, I think blow civic, stuff up. For, I think civic a holiday. hundred percent. I think civic rituals are important. I think a, I think a functioning society, a cohesive society, has civic rituals, and you know, Fourth of July obviously is is one of the largest ones, but it's it's so. You know, even even the more you know basic ones like you know standing up for the national anthem at a baseball game, or there's there's a drive-in movie theater I take my kids to, and they play the national anthem and they say, "Hey, can everyone just get out of your car?" And like they don't say it, but it's like shut up for like it's, it's a minute, right? But you stand up and you do that, and it is a natural it is a national ritual. What should happen is that at every sporting event a large glass holographic screen comes up with Hulk Hogan playing the electric guitar with the American flag behind him, and then fireworks start launching like crazy Agreed. while we all sing yeah. the national anthem. We all ride eagles into the sunset. That's, yes. that's right. Yeah. Thanks for checking out this segment all of right. Tim Cast. So there's section number two there. So I guess all I can kind of piece together with uh, the first one and the second one is, um, I stress this all the time, and that's why I tell you if you haven't, you got to go watch the clips of Yuri Bezmenov. And he kind of explains the communist agenda on how to break down a country. And uh, it goes, starts off with education. You know, he's like, and it's generations to generations of, you get some leftists in there that are teaching teachers. And then those teachers become leftists and then they teach other teachers and so on and so on until they expand out. So now that power especially with like people like nancy pelosi and the hillary clintons and the chuck schumers and the whoever you know down the list that have been in washington for a good portion joe biden a good portion of their whole entire life they don't like to give up that power that they've accumulated for themselves so if you're going to tie this all together Uh, I think, unfortunately, for the left is they've been able to get away with a lot of the crap they've been able to get away with. But now with Joe Biden in office and the economy basically going right down the toilet, a lot of different factors, but a lot of bad policies since he's been in office that's causing a lot of this, that people are starting to feel it. Where before, you know, when things were going fairly good, gas wasn't five six dollars a gallon that it didn't affect a lot of these younger generations that are being taught one thing and then not understanding why their life was as good as it was until it flips the other way i mean they've got control of everything right now they have the white house and they've got congress the senate and the house so, you know, when they say at the first that more and more people, I don't know, this poll, I don't really take polls too serious because I think they're kind of mostly a bunch of crap. But the polling of anybody and everybody saying, look, we might have to take up arms against the government. Probably you know, if it keeps going on this course that they think is just, you know, like I say, ties into this world economic forum as well with their world leaders and their policies you know, like say they use climate change, you know, and they push that through school as well. Instead of, and you know, I wish I would have had that clip. There's a, a clip of the uh, the actual founder of the Weather Channel you know, back in the day. Um, 
and he was on CNN with Brian Stelter and totally ripped him a new one and basically gave him what the, the real up and up is and basically how these scientists that are supposed to be the consensus. He's like, science is never settled. That is exactly what science is. It's like, you can't just say, oh, the science is settled. It's not settled. It never will be settled because you're always learning new things. And as soon as it is settled, then science is dead. That's pretty much what he told him. But he's like, look, all the things that were happening with climate change aren't happening. Or if they are, they're so slow and minute. I mean, I not to get too far off in the weeds with this one, but I have a weather app that is called um, AccuWeather. So we're um, here in Utah, we're reaching right around the 100 degrees mark, you know. But they're always severe heat wave or, you know, some kind of dramatic thing in a like a, a banner that comes up on your phone that, you know, you're supposed to be scared of this heat wave and this climate change that's going to kill us all if we don't quit driving gasoline, you know, fossil fuel combustion cars. Um, the problem is it's mid-July and 100 degrees is pretty difficult. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe most people that don't understand, hey, you know, you need to drink water if you're outside and you need to drink water anyways. But if you're outside, especially, and you're sweating a lot, you need to put more water back into your body. Uh, it's like I say, it's a lot of an education thing. And I stress this all the time that if we can't fix the education from the bottom up. Yeah, you're going to slowly keep getting all these, you know college lefties uh there's a will witt with prager U. he always goes out and does these things at, you know and, and they're liberal colleges so you kind of got to take some of it with a grain of salt because you know you're going to get these kind of kids there that have no clue about anything <laughs> especially not american history so if you want to know why there's so many younger generation kids that hate america it's because that's what they're being taught in colleges and, you know, there's an old school mentality that we have to send our kids to college to get a good job. And and it's just not the case anymore. I mean, there's so many things that can be done now as a young entrepreneur and getting them out and learning the basics. That's a problem with, uh, I think, you know, just like Carrie Lake said in the last episode, is to get them job or real life training, you know, on like how to budget money and you know, just a whole bunch of life things that aren't taught in schools. And some of the stuff that is being taught in schools is just a bunch of liberal garbage. And they don't learn anything about life skills once they get out of school. So then they've got the mentality that, oh, I've got to go to college and get myself super far in debt to get a degree that may or may not pan out in the end. And I don't know, we got we got to start somewhere and start from the bottom. It'll probably be the best step forward, I I believe. So for this segment, um, we'll uh, move on to the next one. Take a quick break. Be right back. All right. I think what I forgot to go over with the, what I started with there for the the people that think they need to take up arms against the government, you know, being more prevalent is because mostly the government thinks that they can just do whatever they want. And, you know, they kind of just cram these laws and different stupid things down everybody's throats. 
and just keep saying that oh it's for your own best interest you know it's like well you don't know what my best interests are or pretty much anybody's because you hardly ever go talk to your constituents uh as far as the leftists anyways they just kind of have a wink and a nod understanding i think um and like he said you know most of them know that their voters are just stupid and don't go and try and educate themselves on anything. So it's easy for them just to say, this is what we need you to do. And they take their marching orders and do it. <laughs> so if, you know, just like I said, the, the founding fathers came from a tyrannical government. And that's what helped pave the way for the, the Constitution and all that stuff you know, to give people rights that they didn't have before and a freedom to make mistakes and a freedom to make their own choices, not for the King or whatever country they lived in at the time that had a ruler, a czar or whatever to just make the decisions for you. It's like, Hey, you know, uh, what if I want to do this instead of what you're telling me to do? So then, you know, kind of comes the rebellion. So if you're pushing hard enough and fast enough it's not it's not the the boiling you know the frog in the warm water until it gets up to boiling it's just you threw the frog in the boiling water and it decided it wanted out i think we might hopefully be seeing some of that right now that people are just like hey you know what this water's hot in here let's get out so hopefully not hopefully we can just do it the peaceful way with elections this year but people have got to pay attention you got to start doing your research and understanding who you're voting for not just oh i need to vote for a d or i need to vote for an r there are some good r's that are coming up um i don't know about the democrat side i think they've all just kind of gone into the well i'm not really running on anything besides what the party is running on so if that's what you like then i guess i i can't talk you out of it <laughs> so this uh probably this will be the last segment here so let's just see what tim has to say san francisco has a poo patrol <laughs> oh what a what now poo what now <laughs> they have a food department <laughs> what do they well, do well okay so like you know the fire department does right mm -hmm. like there's, there's a fire you call the fire department they come out and put the fire out uh -huh. san francisco has a poo department same you thing call like Hey, there's, there's poop. poop on the street. And yep. then they'll come out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that. You know, once again, from liberal policies that have caused these homeless crises in a lot of these liberal areas. So, yeah, they have to create another bureaucracy from their bad policies. And I, I just can't. I mean, like I say, until these things hit home to these people. I don't think they quite understand what the left or the right or the conservatives gripes are that, Oh, you just hate this. Or you just, you're anti that. And it's like, no, we're just kind of stating the obvious, what common sense and logic kind of tell us. <laughs> so anyways, if sirens are anything, but they show <laughs> like up the people they... that pick up roadkill. Yeah, it's job like creation. There's yeah, so... There you go. <laughs> oh, great. There's yeah. so much human feces all over the streets of San Francisco. They had to create a department. They need to hit it with lasers, dude, and turn it into graphene. 
It's okay. carbon-based. Okay, well, Dr. Evil that. over here. Well, right. <laughs> just reuse, recycle. But just think about desalin desalination, mm -hmm. which they have They have one plant in Carlsbad, I think I've been there, it was really cool to watch. Yeah. There's massive tubes, and they just force at really high pressure the water through these filters, which then purifies it, and then pump out all the brackish water back into the ocean. Local environment, uh, environmentalists are saying the, the, the brackish water, or sorry, it's brine, is it goes down to the bottom and kills all of the base level organisms, which wipes out the food chain straight up. I'm sure it does. So then we have to pick, which is a very uh, major dilemma for people who are very far left and progressive. What matters more, human life or ocean life? Mm. And then we have to also pick on our energy, which uh, everyone hates. What matters more? turning off our power and having rolling blackouts and all of that or providing drinking water if you took away luxury and security from the united states you would have no leftists <laughs> so i've said this for a really long time and i gathered this by watching tiktok not to the extent that you do mary thankfully thank god <laughs> i got banned I don't <laughs> yeah watch i know TikTok you did now. yeah you can't watch it anymore huh? no i'm just kidding they're stealing our information but i <laughs> figured that if we got rid of free time we'd be good we'd be fine no more free time. None of these teachers with blue hair talking about their weird genders and confusing people with pronouns. All of that would be gone. We'd just be focused on our work. It'd be fine. That's my two cents. That's like the simplest I, I that I can see. We, How so? Because you'd have to erase 100 years of technological advancement to get anywhere near that. Mm. And free time existed in a long time ago. We had tons of free time. It's just that it's the level of communication and the level of, uh, of hyper-tribalization that's causing yeah. the, the... Here's what I'm saying with... with uh, uh, you get rid of luxury and security, you have no leftists, because when people have to think about survival, that's when they're like, me and no one else, and I'll do what it takes. So you're mentioning environmentalism. Yeah. They're going to decide humans. And I they're going to decide so. themselves. I hope so. You, you're not going to have... I mean, you may have people at this point who are like starving and on the street crawling, being like, I will not eat the food. I really doubt it. They're going to be like, I will eat you. And then they'll kick your door in and they'll take your beans. You know? Or you. Yunmi Park said starvation is like, all you can think of is food when, of you're, course, in, yeah. when you're starving. She came from North Korea yeah. and fled the country and said that she fled because she was starving. So she chose to be, become a sex slave in China to get out. So she had food. Right. Yeah, she said that she was like sitting there looking at the lights and just thinking like, I wonder if there's food there. People would be like laying on the side of the ground that had died from starvation, cannibalism. I mean, it's just total, total rampage. rampage. Yeah, I think that a lot of what we see in modern politics, particularly with feminism, is due to the fact that we are a bubble of security. Yeah. So if you think about evolutionary psychology and you go way, you go way back in time, like men were like, we have to die to protect the women because the women are the ones who like create people. Yes. So, you know, men would, if you, if you have 100 men and 100 women, and 99 how dare he say that only women can have babies <laughs> sorry i just had to throw that dig in there die you your society survives because the women can have kids but if 99 women die you're done one woman could not sustain a population boy that's some interesting implications in that well yeah it's, it's, it's the root it's the root of a lot of uh, um the gender roles if you look yeah. at is it, it's it's look I'm, I'm not making this up this is just like academic gender uh, evolutionary psychology and so what happens is gender roles emerged from that you take a bunch of nomadic humans and they would fortify the women yeah. because those that didn't ceased to exist right and those that did thrived the men would go out 
and hunt big game and bring back, bring back fish or, or protein, the women would, would, you know, gather and, and keep food and, and, and protect the family and raise keep the kids. Keep the home. Keep the home. Literally. And then a bunch of the guys would die on the hunt or in war. Yep. But the women would survive and have kids. So that ends up with, you know, in Europe, with the escalation of, of warfare between nations, the women are staying in the home to be protected and the men are going out and doing work. And then you build a society based on those ideas and you get traditional gender roles. So I'm not saying those are good things. I'm just saying that's that's the, the, the common uh, the idea. The stark human reality of our biological conditions. Yeah. So we end up with this safety bubble and luxury bubble. We produce all this oil and energy. And now we have people who can gorge themselves and not have to do any work. I mean, come on, let's be real. The people in New York City who work at like BuzzFeed, I always bring this up. Millennials, oh, come on, sorry, Washington Post. This, this woman who gets fired because she's complaining about Dave Weigel, you know, making a, a sexist tweet, that could not exist 200 years ago. Seriously? I mean, maybe some of those ideas started to exist because we had technological advancements. But if you're like, we are being bombarded and a raiding party just stole less of our chickens, you wouldn't be going, like you said, a naughty word. You'd be like, I'm dying and I need food. Yeah, it's, it's, it is first world problems. Right. Take away the first world. All that stuff goes away. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying I don't think the modern left could exist in I, I kind of feel like if you took your modern leftist, forced them to work on a farm yeah. for a couple of weeks, they would really change their minds. Yeah. Unless they're like deeply rooted in their neuroses. Right. And then they would be like, I should be in charge of the farm and you should serve me. I mean, that's kind I'll... of what parents do with bad kids when they send them off to wilderness survival camp. You know, some of them come back totally changed but even that is so contrived and fake like i've been thinking about it recently how like when people grew up on farms and they saw animals reproducing and giving birth and dying uh it would be impossible to have the level of confusion about gender life and death that we have right now but if you were watching that as a child as you grew up you would be immune to good the propaganda insight. that we're getting inundated yeah, with today. Which is, which is why McCoy was on the show saying that exact thing. Yeah. He, he, was, mm-hmm. he was raised around farm animals and had no, I mean, just knew from age four. He never had the birds and the bees talk. He never had mm-hmm. to because he always knew how sex worked. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it, was it Seamus, I think you mentioned? Someone asked him, how did people learn how to reproduce before sex ed or something like that? Was it Seamus who mentioned Yeah, that? somebody mentioned they had a friend who was like, how did we know about this? watching animals what no not watching animals like uh, yeah. all of human existence yeah. is like i like that thing i'm going to that person i just rewatched like, blue lagoon recently am i canceled now because that was yes well yeah well i won't even say why i would be canceled for that but uh they figured it out they figured it out they had a baby two people yeah. stranded on an island uh, since they were children it's like it's almost like their innate biological drives yes and yes. that like a dude looks at a woman and goes I would like to, you know, grab that woman. Uh, yeah, Auga. Yeah. There you go. yeah. Yep. Auga. That's exactly it. As the cartoons dictate. Like how much free will do we have as a species? Cause like you're saying, or you guys, this keeps coming up that like, unless we're absolutely forced to change, like you're saying, California, if the power goes out, then you'll start to see people like pushing this technology. If they run out of water. They're going to start desalinating. How much of this is free will? Like how much are we actually in control or like deciding to go against our instinct? How much of it is just, it's free only will. when we need to do it, are we going to do it? Well, it, it, it's it's free will, but there's a lot of people who don't exercise free will. Yeah. There's long-term thinking and short-term thinking. And I think you'll find among the, 
I guess, culture war right, whatever you want to call it. I always just say post-liberals, moderates, libertarians, and conservatives, mm -hmm. a tendency towards long-term thinking and delayed gratification. Yeah. And among the left, you get instant gratification and short-term thinking. High time preference. I'll give you a really good example. Short-term thinking. I'm seeing all of these memes pop up. It's crazy. I don't know why this meme is emergent on the left. And they're like, why don't we plant fruit trees in cities? so that everyone can just eat fruit and have to worry about where their food comes from. Why don't we just do the good things so that the bad thing don't happen? Yeah, do you guys know why we don't do uh, public fruit trees in big cities? So, well, there's a couple of reasons. You'll, you'll probably have more. One is the contaminants from the air actually make the, the plants poisonous. Two is it takes uh, sometimes... Toxic. Yeah, four, four to seven years to, for a tree to bear fruit. That's true. And then the other thing is when we, when we transplant fruit-bearing trees into cities, the fruit rots, and then you get pests, insects, yeah. rats, and pigeons, and then disease. Someone has to come and collect the fruit and, be, and maintain the tree yep. very They're, beautifully. It's, it's, it's this remarkably childish, short-term, single-layer thought. Yeah. Okay, well, they could do like, uh, you know, the poo patrol and just, you know, create another part of the bureaucracy that you, you taxpayers in those states or cities will have to pay for. So you just don't put them in there. They go out in the farm where there's people that can take care of them. And, you know, unfortunately, in a capitalistic society, it's not that they can just go do all that stuff for free and actually need to, you know, want to turn a profit for their hard work to provide food it's a weird thing and this us humans you know would want that keep seeing where they're like imagine walking down the street and the trees had fruit on them it's like oh and there's no negative repercussions nothing else happens no one's got to care for them no one maintains them the fruit is just there and it stays there until you're ready to eat it that is this that is the talk of someone who's never had a garden in their life you know why we we grew tomatoes you know what we did wrong we planted them all at the same time. Mm. And you know what happens when you plant all your tomatoes at the same time? They all ripen at the exact yeah. moment. And then it's like, who wants to eat 300 tomatoes today? Yeah. Because they go bad tomorrow. And so then someone was like, Tim, you need to plant them one week at a time. Plant one a week later, plant one. Then you'll get seven. And next week you get seven. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. But the insects will swarm and eat them if you don't. Yeah, so we, we threw them to the chickens. We just started yeah. like, there you go, chickens. And then here's the best part. The chickens poop out the seeds and they grow again. Oh, nice. That's Circle sick. of life. Yeah. Yeah, because the, 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 they poop wherever. And then all of a sudden we noticed tomato plants yeah. were growing. And we're like, oh, look at that. All right, well, that's kind of charming. It yeah. worked out. <laughs> well, that's that, that's how it's supposed to go. Yeah. I mean, but you, you, you look at the single layer uh, short-term thinking. And that's exactly what it, we've got more houses than homeless people. What's wrong with this society? We should just put homeless people in houses. Then I'm like. Who's going to maintain the house? Who's going to inspect the house? Who's going to check the electrical wiring of the house? Who is going to be paying attention to any of the rot or termites or any yep. of the problems in the houses? Yeah, you can't just put a homeless person in a house. But they don't, they don't, these, these utopian thinkers, typically leftists, don't think beyond that. Well, the prosperity we have now that we're living off of came from the age of reason. And that is why I think leisure time is valuable and is necessary for human flourishing but then now we're sinking into the age of the will and anything is true if we will it well i think that has a lot to do with a, with a lack of god and i don't mean like from an overt religious perspective i mean it from a people who don't believe that things exist beyond them or above yeah. or, or, or greater than them so mm -hmm. the people I, I feel like 
There's a tendency among people who believe I am nothing but a wet robot. Nothing matters. Yep. To engage in more nihilistic thinking like whatever feels good, I'm going to do. Yeah. And people don't want to believe that. It's to write a blank check for your bad behavior. It's, I wouldn't necessarily say bad behavior because that implies that they're like a morality. I think it's self-aggrandizing and selfish behavior, carnal okay. behavior. Okay, yeah, carnal. I see. Yeah. I see laziness and and apathy and cowardliness also come out of that. Yeah, and that I think is is really disappointing. Thanks for checking out this segment from the Tim. Cam- All right, there we are. I don't think I really need to add a whole lot more to that because they pretty much summed it up as probably as good as anything. So with that, I am going to also wrap up this episode so it does not bore you any longer. (laughs) Actually, uh, if you keep coming back and listening to it, I must not bore you too bad. So again, I have to say thank you. And uh, I'm going to wrap this episode of the Nielsen Show up. And hopefully you will join me again next time. And uh, see y'all later.